Welcome back, you guys, to the Low Bottom High Rise podcast with Moira Kassaba. That's me. I am really excited to be here. I'm coming off of one of the most incredible weeks of this year, for, for sure. I was able to um, have the incredible experience of hosting my top elite coaches at a retreat last week in the Blue Ridge Mountains at an incredible property. Um, If you're ever looking for like a next level property to either vacation with your family, I can't wait to bring my family back or for something like a retreat, Google the Bombshell Lodge. It is one of the most beautiful places I've ever stayed. It's a property um, owned by one of my good friends. And I was blown away on every level down to every single detail. So the Bombshell Lodge, uh, Blue Ridge Mountains, next level, amazing and after that epic retreat and masterminding, just we brought in, you know, high level coaches to just train us and, you know, pour into the girls. I flew straight from there to Dallas, Texas for the Unstoppable Mastermind uh, weekend event that I was asked to come and speak at and be a guest at. And mind blown, mind blown on every level. Um, my dear friend Amberly Lago runs the Unstoppable Mastermind. If you are looking, for a mastermind or a group of women that is going to level you up, I'm telling you, that's that's it right there. I've never experienced anything like I experienced in that room that weekend. The most successful, big vision, um, incredible women of all you know, all different walks of life. Meaning, like these are best-selling authors, top podcasters you know, master coaches, um, dentists that are doing incredible things on social media. Like it was, it was, it is absolutely insane what happens when you get a group of women that are high level thinkers and outside the box thinkers together. I mean, what is going to come out of that weekend? I can't even, I can't even fathom. So Amberly Lago, I also had her on my podcast um, a couple months ago. It's one of the most downloaded episodes that I've ever done. So check out her podcast, but let's get into the topic for today. So I had a plan. I knew exactly what I was going to record. And I woke up this morning and I was like, no, that's not what I need to record. I need to do an episode on effective leadership. You know, I, I ask my, my coaches and my friends a lot of times when we're talking about like what kind of content we should be sharing on social media, what's our niche, what's our superpower. And I always hear Moira, leadership, 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 like you crush it and you don't really talk about it enough. I'm like, well, it's kind of just something I've stepped into and I don't ever think of, you know, exactly what I do for being an effective leader, for raising up effective leaders. You know, um, one of my friends wrote a book and one of his premises of everything is you don't want to be a leader of followers. Well, maybe you do. There's nothing wrong with that, right? There's a lot of people out there that are a leader of followers. They have a huge community. They have devout fans, raving fans. And that's an incredibly smart business model to be a leader of followers, but I thrive and crave being on the same level, right? So I always wanted to be a leader of leaders. And that is a radically different thing, you know? So start to think about, depending on what your business model is, would it impact your bottom line more to be a leader of leaders or a leader of followers? Again, I'm not saying a leader of leaders is better. It really depends on what you're going for. So I do have 
very specific things that I believe allowed me to become a leader of leaders, um, things that I do kind of just by nature that a lot of other people I see they're not doing. And the way that I think about leadership, I believe is radically different from every leadership book you pick up. You know, I, I pick up all these leadership books and I'm like, it's kind of, it's kind of the same thing. And, um, some of the concrete tips I want to go over lessons I want to go over today are completely different, radically different than anything you'll ever read in a book. So point number one, and this is something you will probably read in leadership books. You have to lead yourself. You have to lead yourself if you want to lead others well. You cannot pour from an empty cup. I'm reading an incredible book right now by my friend friend Bedros. It's called Man Up, although it can also be Woman Up. But listen, being a good leader starts with being, being a good leader for yourself. You won't be able... You have to lead by example, right? So you have to make that commitment to yourself to figure out how you can show up. And it, and it comes down to things like this, right? Are you the type of person that's hitting the snooze? Or are you the type of person that's getting 54321, thank you, Mel Robbins, hopping out of bed and going about your day? That's, that's self-leadership, right? Committing to habits or practices and following through, doing your workouts, proper nutrition, not watching crap TV at night and instead filling your mind with personal growth. Like if you can commit and lead yourself, you will automatically lead others by example, right? Like you have to be the pace car for the people that you may not have yet, right? You might think, I don't have a team yet. I'm trying to attract that team. The only way you're going to attract that team is if you hold yourself to a higher standard. Then you're going to attract the type of people that want to be held to that higher standard, right? So you have to learn to lead yourself. And I talk about this a lot, that when I started coaching, and, and this is somewhat similar, I fell off on and off the wagon, right? For 20 years, like dial it in and then fall apart, dial it in and then fall apart. And I never wanted to be a coach, believe it or not. And now I'm like, hello, this is what I was put on this earth for. But I didn't think I was capable either, right? There's a fear there. When you can't lead yourself, you definitely don't think you can lead others because if I can't do it myself, how in the world can I coach others? But my mentor at the time said, listen, I think you are probably a lot like me and you have a track record here that shows that you will always, there will always be a day where you just give up on yourself, that where you fail yourself, where you throw in the towel, where you don't show up for yourself. But she said this, she said, my guess is that if you had to show up for others, you would never drop the ball. You would always show up for them. You may not show up for yourself, but you would always show up for them. And she said, that's coaching, Moira. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense, right? So when you adopt this principle into your life, even if you don't have others to lead yet, I personally am more motivated by how I can impact your life sometimes, a lot of times, almost all the times, than the impact on myself. I'm a, I'm a giver by nature. I, I want to do for others. You know, I want to serve others. So literally last night, I was like, God, I just, I've had the longest day. I'm exhausted. I just want to like lose myself in like 
Netflix for 30 minutes. And I was like, no, I made a commitment to myself that I'm not going to do that. So here's what happened. I was like, I'm going to read one chapter. So I read one chapter and then I put my earbuds in. I picked up my phone. I opened Netflix and I thought about my team. I thought about leading myself in order to lead others. And I closed the Netflix app and I picked up the book again and I read another chapter. It's those little tiny things that when you can show up for yourself, you will automatically be able to lead others by example so powerfully without doing anything to lead them. Meaning I think all the time we think about what can I do, you know, to, for them, what program can I put in place? What strategy, what plan? And it's like, no, the plan is you. (laughs) The plan starts with you. And so that is a number one, the most important thing you can do. And you've got to ask yourself in those moments of, you know, do I go right or do I go left? Do I read the personal growth or do I binge Netflix? That's going to impact your team. That's going to impact who you're attracting. That's going to impact this whole leadership thing more than anything. All right, number two, you got to have a vision, right? I can remember, and a a lot of my success, you know, happened so fast that I had to really go back and look like, and I had to, I had to study what, what the heck happened? Like, how did that happen? Why were we so successful as a team? And how was I able to develop these leaders? And I've had coaches on my team that have been with me from day one say, say things just in conversation or, you know, around a round table in a living room when we're at an event or at a retreat, they've said things like, it was so obvious where Moira was going with this. That train was leaving the freaking station and she knew exactly where it was headed. And they said, I didn't want to left, be left behind. So just by getting clear on my goals, clear on where I wanted to go, on what I wanted to build, on where we were going, on, on the type of team that we, I wanted to have, getting clear on you know, a mission statement and, and exactly where the train is going. If your team doesn't know where the, the train is going, why are they going to get on, right? You have to be crystal clear on the intentions of what you're building, the clarity of your goals. You can't have a team execute or a team step up into leadership if they're like, why? Well, I don't know what we're, where we're going. I don't know what numbers we're trying to hit. I don't know what the bigger goal is here. You have to cast that vision And again, I keep going back to this, but you might not have the team yet, right? Cast the vision. Social media is the greatest platform of all time. I was bubbling over with the the vision. I didn't know what I was even doing at the time, but I was like so fired up about what I wanted to build and what I wanted to create in my life and what I, how I wanted to impact other people's lives and, and looking and searching for that team of women that was ready to link arms. That vision was crystal clear before I had the team. 
If you're looking for some more in-depth training on mindset practices and how to create your vision, how to reverse engineer your goals, how to craft your morning process, all of the things that I'm super passionate about, you guys, the Rise Up course is where it's at. It is literally my lifetime, my mind in a course, every single tip, strategy, and hack that you could possibly ask me about is in this course. So jump into the show notes right below and you'll see the link for the Rise Up course and my Rise Up planner and you guys can rise up with us. So that's number two. You have to be crystal clear on your vision, okay? Number three, and this is kind of where we get into things that maybe aren't in leadership books. So this is so important to me. You got to speak life. Number three, you have to speak life. And what does that mean, right? I was at a volleyball game last night (laughs) for uh, 12-year-olds, and I saw the coach throw his clipboard, get super frustrated. And, you know, there's a time and a place. I I love to watch coaches when I'm usually at a baseball game right now or a volleyball game every day. I love to watch the emotion. You know, there is definitely a time to get frustrated as a coach to, to come down on your team, but that cannot be your norm, right? That cannot be your norm. One of the reasons why I have been so successful, why I have been able to develop really successful coaches is because I speak life. We are programmed as humans to not see the good, right? This is like everything I teach. We don't see the good. We don't give ourselves a pat on the back. We don't, you know, this is in my book of proof every single day. What are you proud of today for yourself? We are not programmed that way. We're programmed to, oh my gosh, this isn't working. I dropped the ball on this. I failed on this. I'm a failure. I'm never going to be successful. You need to speak life over who you are leading. I, in the beginning of my coach career, had zero self-confidence, right? Zero belief in myself. I would have never in a million years believed that I could accomplish what I have. I, you know, for a long time was trying to read every book and take every course. And I was out there just as a solopreneur trying to make my way. And I would always just kind of be my worst own, my own worst enemy and talk myself down, right? I had no idea how much human beings needed to be recognized. They need recognition. They need that, that, you know, praise. I'm the youngest of six kids. I did not get a lot of praise. (laughs) I was just kind of like passed over. You know, there are a lot of kids in the house. It's, it's not something, you know, that our parents gave us. And, and I also love that because it's like, we weren't overpraised for things. We're like, okay, great. That doesn't define you. Keep going. And I've worked for myself my entire life. So I've never had somebody celebrate me, recognize my achievements, you know, talk about me on a call or on a stage. Human beings need recognition. And the more life you speak over your team, the more you highlight how how they're showing up and, and where they're doing good, that is going to build them up more than anything, right? I can remember conversations where I I remember one very specifically where I was 
embarrassed to, to speak it out loud because, you know, it's like the fear of, do you think this is possible for me? Speaking that to another person is, is tough sometimes. And I remember being in the car with my mentor and I was like, just, just ask, just ask the question. And I was like, um, so, you know, all just wrapped up in my insecurity. I was like, do you think that like, maybe I could achieve this one day? It was like the highest rank in the company. And she looked at me like dumbfounded. And her response was everything for me. Her response gave me the belief in myself. She looked at me like I was crazy, like I had three heads. And she was like, Moira, obviously, like that's inevitable. That's going to happen. Like, duh. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, she totally sees a different future for me than I see for myself. She sees what's possible for me when I can't see it for myself. And I understood in that moment that that is our biggest calling as a leader, that we have to see in our team what is possible. And we have to speak that over and over and over again. Most important thing, I believe. Well, maybe not because they're all so important. Okay, number four. And this is, again, what you're not going to necessarily read in a leadership book. But you have to hand over control. So a lot of successful entrepreneurs that are go-getters, type A, you know, I'm an Enneagram 3. I want to do everything my way perfectly. Nobody can do it as good as I do. That's not a healthy thought. But that's like something that's, you know, I've always wrestled with. You have to give up control, right? doesn't come naturally to me, but you have to allow people to step up into leadership. And I'm going to give you a concrete example of this. I was, you know, having a lot of success. My, I was probably about a year and a half, maybe a year into coaching. I was a year into coaching. And we had a team community on Facebook, um, like a Facebook page. And I was always the expert, right? anybody, there were questions, you know, 20 times a day, people would ask questions in there and I would swoop in as the expert and answer everything. And I was the leader and, you know, I was leading this team. And so I needed to be in there all the time, providing all the answers. And I was actually on a trip with my mentor and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm I'm like, you know, I'm in the team page and I'm answering all the questions and I'm telling everybody how to do everything. I mean, I didn't say that, but that's exactly what I was doing. And she was like, you need to do the exact opposite if you're ever going to develop leaders. And I was like, what? I don't, I don't understand. Like, I'm the one in control here. I'm the one leading this pack. And she was like, yeah, but when you allow other people to answer questions, to step up with ideas, that's allowing them to step up into leadership. And I was blown away. I had to like sit on my hands and intentionally not answer all their questions so that they could start to answer each other's questions. That immediately built community and it built their confidence in how they could show up as a leader, right? So you have to step back and let them step forward. And I will say there are, you know, big parts of me that 
have always felt like had this kind of low self-concept of myself. I'm not always thinking I'm the know-it-all and I'm, I'm the best at everything. There's a lot of times where my insecurity comes up and I see how this has actually served me in a lot of ways. Like as much as I thought in the beginning of my, my success, I needed to be the expert. My nature is I don't want to be in the spotlight. Like I don't like to be the ringleader. I crave from day one, sitting around at a you know, kitchen table, masterminding with people that are on my same level, that have ideas like I have, that you know, can, can work through things and thoughts and ideas and, and circumstances the way that I do. And so I have always approached my team when, when I started to kind of have those, those leaders, it's never been the Moira show. We get onto calls and yeah, I might be the top coach in the company, you know, whatever. That doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know everything. Everybody has great ideas. And so I, I take a, I don't want to say I take a, a seat or a step back, but I'm right there on their level. You know, they're constantly giving me, I giving the, the circle, the team ideas. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is brilliant. Yes, Jen, you're incredible. That's so smart. Let's freaking run with that. I never would have thought of that right? So I am bringing myself because I believe that I am truly on their level, that they are on my level. And when you cultivate a culture like that, everything changes. I am not in control of everything. I am not deciding on our team's marketing plan and the strategy. It is a community effort. It is a we thing. So you have to hand over control. And that's kind of the fifth. Um, they kind of go together. But the next, if this was number five, it would be just to consciously think to yourself, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, that it is a we thing, never a me thing, right? It is absolutely a we thing. It is not about me being a great leader. It is about how I cultivate culture and community. So you have to allow people to give you ideas, to give you strategies, going back to speaking life, speak life over that when somebody has a great idea and you're going to run with it and give them credit, come alongside your team, never be above them, be willing. Well, this is the last one. I just ran right into it Um, because this is like what I was just about to say. And I'm like, actually, this is point number six. And this is a hard one, guys. Be willing to have hard conversations too. So think about this and ask yourself right now, how many uncomfortable conversations do you maybe need to have right now? How, like, how many people in your life or on your team would be growing even stronger as leaders if you stepped up to the plate no matter how uncomfortable and had that really tough talk that you've been putting off. When I see a problem and do nothing about it, I am failing as a leader, right? I'm not giving my team the leadership that they need to succeed and grow because I'm worried about being uncomfortable. I don't like being uncomfortable. Nobody likes being uncomfortable. Nobody goes into those conversations like joyfully clicking their heels. It is one of the hardest things that I do as a leader to have tough conversations, to address things that I see before they snowball. And I can tell you, I'm not perfect at this, right? There are things when I'm like, get that, get that inner, like just gut feeling of like, oh, 
I should probably like have a conversation with like her about kind of just how her, her, maybe it's like an example would be like somebody's tone in group meetings. Like that tone is not coming across well. And I don't think she realizes how this is impacting. But a lot of times I'll just be like, oh, it's no big deal. I don't want to, I don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. So I don't address it. If you don't address it, you will create divide and cracks in your team that a year down the road, two years down the road can look like completely broken relationships among your team that should be acting as a team. And you you have to have the hard conversations, right? I remember at my very, very first team retreat, so right in the beginning of, you know, the team, our team Rise Nation really building. And I want to say there were nine or 10 people at the retreat and there was some friction on the team. And I was, I was very concerned about it, you know, personalities, especially strong women that can happen. And it wasn't drama. It wasn't any of that, but there was some friction. We came together for this retreat and it was the most beautiful thing ever. Like no friction, people coming together, just a ton of love, a ton of tears, a ton of vulnerability. Like it was magic. And we sat in the living room and talked for hours about all the stuff, business, everything, right? And I was sitting there and I was getting uncomfortable because I kept thinking, I'm worried that we're going to walk out of this retreat and what I haven't addressed is still going to be there. And so on this incredibly high note, and I feel like this strength was God-given, on this incredibly high note, on this incredibly beautiful in, in this moment of like, ah, oh, this team's amazing and we're together and we're connected. I sat them down and I said, okay, it was midnight. I said, I've, I've got to talk to you guys about something. And I didn't come out accusing. I wasn't calling any names out. I didn't throw any, you know, cattiness at them. I wasn't coming at them. I was coming alongside them, right? And they knew how much I cared about them. And I said to them, if we don't address the elephant in the room, like I saw their potential, I spoke life, right? I see the potential. I see what is possible for this team. I think, you know, I said, I I, I believe that we can't even comprehend at this stage where we're going. It's going to be massive. We are going to impact tens of thousands of lives. But if we don't address the elephant in the room, we are going to be the reason. This team is going to be the reason. We are going to implode ourselves. And that has to change. I felt like I wanted to throw up, right? Having really tough conversations, seeing all these eyes wide-eyed. And I think, again, effective leadership is calling people out on on things, but doing it, you got to do it, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, you have to, you got to drop the rock on them, right? You got to be freaking real and call people out. But you also back that up with love and vision and what's possible and your heart and what you want for this team and what you see is possible. And that retreat and that conversation, that really hard conversation completely changed the trajectory of where we are. We would never have built what we've built, I believe, 
if I hadn't really nipped it in the bud, you know, at that point. I think there would have been divide and it just would never have become what it, what it became. And so if you have that nagging in your heart where you're like, oh, I got to pick up the phone and I got to have this hard conversation, that is you in leadership at your best. I, I heard a quote one time and it was like, you can tell the level of leadership by the number of tough conversations someone has had. And I remember being like, oh my God, that's so true. Like I see that, but that is so hard. But that quote is a lot of times what I grab onto when I have to have those tough conversations. It's always for the betterment of the team. And just don't do it from that throwing your clipboard, angry place. Like I see coaches, you know, on 12-year-old volleyball courts. You know what I mean? Do it from a place of love. Do it from, be firm, but do it from a place of love. So guys, that's it. That is it for your six steps, six qualities that you need to cultivate as an effective leader. I hope this was helpful to you. Um, I know it's such a, like I said, it's a question that I get asked all the time about. And I honestly believe if you focus on those six things and you step fully into them, you will become a leader that you could have never seen in yourself. I believe that for you. So thanks so much, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week and be on the lookout too. Um, I'm going to start doing, I'm going to do a big giveaway um, coming up because I just found out that we are top 2% globally for podcasts. That is insane that this podcast is in the top 2% of all podcasts globally. I had no idea. That's exciting simply because I know there's so much value on these episodes, especially with our guest speakers and how much it's impacting your life is just, it makes my heart so freaking happy. So be on the lookout on my social for that. Um, but we'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Thank you.